It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by Austria's finest naturally authentic pumpkin seed oil from the Steiermark, available at organicuniverse.com. Listeners of The Organic View can receive a dollar off their purchase by using the coupon code ORGVIEW. For more promotional offers, please visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. And don't forget to check out our contest section. On today's show, I have the pleasure of welcoming back one of my favorite guests, Susan Fox, otherwise known in the Rose community as Gaga, who's also the founder of Gaga's Garden. Susan is an award-winning consulting rosarian, and she's one of the most enjoyable people to talk to about roses. She is one of my favorite people, personally, to talk to about roses, horticulture, family, friends, God, nature, you name it. Susan is just great to talk to all around. And folks, it's not just me that's saying it. When you look at the number of hits to the videos of the interviews with Susan, it kind of speaks for itself. She's always delightful, and I'm so happy that she is going to be joining me today to talk about the hottest trends of 2017. So I'd like to welcome to the show Susan Fox. Good afternoon, Susan. I can't believe it's 2017. I can't either, June. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be with you today to talk about the trends of 2017. Every day I'm seeing more and more about people wanting to make more healthy lifestyle choices. It seemed like everybody that I listened to, that was one of their resolutions, and that was to bring uh, simpler choices into their life and to integrate a little bit more of a healthy lifestyle into into their lives. I couldn't agree more, and I think especially when you're surrounded by so much beauty, it really does impact your overall well-being. It impacts just everything. When when you're surrounded by beautiful roses, it's hard not to be happy, and I think that's one of the reasons why you're such a joy to be around, especially by the looks of all the pictures that you post on social media. Your gardens are just spectacular, and it's no wonder that you have been doing this for such a long time. You win the awards that you win, and you're just such a wealth of knowledge. And, Susan, I'm so grateful for your friendship and also for all the tips and the advice that you've shared with me over the years. So I just want to say thank you so much, Susan. Well, thank you, June, because as everybody knows, that you're one of the top people that you turn into when you want to listen to anything about health issues, but, you know, a lot of people now, too, are beginning to realize that gardening is part of a healthy lifestyle choice. You know, I just didn't realize that 
do you know, I saw um, the number was really high, but 60, 66% of parents now are thinking that their kids, they want them to be involved in activities that are centered around healthy foods. And I was just really shocked to see the numbers that uh, 37% of millennials and 28% of boomers are now, they are growing herbs indoors and they're putting in indoor gardens and they're getting into small space gardening indoors and outdoors and there's so many factors now that we can bring our plants and start our plants including some of our um, our herbs indoors and our, our little roses and our little miniature roses indoors and that's all part of our healthy living lifestyle. I couldn't agree more. I think this year the trends are quite interesting because there's so much synergy between one element and the other. So, Susan, let's talk about 2017. What are some of the hot things that you've found that are occurring in the world of roses? Well, one thing that people are really interested in, June, everybody is interested in easy care. Do you know that... It stunned me, but next to sedums, do you know that the most searched topic online when it comes to plant growing are roses? You know how technology is. So, um, but I, I was really so we know that there is an interest, uh, just an incredible interest in roses. It's the second most searched next to sedums online. So people, if people when asked, they're their most favorite, 85% of people say their favorite flower is a rose. So if you ask them, you know, your favorite flower is a rose, then why don't you grow them? And the perception is, is that they're difficult. So they're looking for the roses that are easy to grow. And the growers are listening to what people want, and they are, they are coming up with flowers that are, and roses that are easy care, no spray roses. So those are the trends in roses. And there are more and more roses that are completely... Now, there's no such thing as a no-care rose, but there are minimal care roses. And they also, um, depending on the market in in America, you know how so often bigger is better, but in Europe, there's been a trend to um, downsize where there's, they want the smaller gardens. So they started in Europe coming up with drift roses and for small space gardens and container gardens. So there's just some gorgeous small roses for people who want to have that rose garden and they have to put gardens in that are, um, you know, like maybe a patio garden. So you do have options to put in um, maybe a miniature rose garden. Say you had a little terrace garden. So there's easy care, no spray. People do not want Mm -hmm. any chemicals on their plants. They don't want them on their food. They don't want to spray them where their pets are. And that is a total trend right now, June. They want no spray, no chemical, easy care for food for uh, roses, for plants, and they want to grow their, you know, their vegetables, their herbs, and their roses the same way. With many of the plants, I know 
anything pretty much that's coming from Holland is sprayed with the neonicotinoid pesticides. And folks, if you don't know what neonicotinoids are, tune into a program called the Neonicotinoid View that I co-host with Colorado beekeeper Tom Theobald. And we explore the impact of these systemic pesticides, not only on the environment, but how they impact the beekeeping community. What I've been finding is that people are asking hard questions to the growers. They're saying, okay, well, are these plants treated with these pesticides? They want labeling, and they're demanding it. Otherwise, they're not buying. So are you saying the same thing with roses? Well, I've got to... Add- wanted to back up and give you a, a little explanation. For instance, I know that you know that I'm a judge at the Biltmore, and the roses that we test there are completely, they are completely no spray roses. So the growers send the roses, and they are tested over a two-year period. So say that you, we have a listener today, and they want to see the very best Easy Care Rose. If you see a rose, and I write about roses that have won the Biltmore Rose Trials, and we say that this is the best rose, um, and it says Minimal Care Rose, you can take that to the bank, folks, because I personally go there. The other judges, there are, oh, maybe 50 other judges that go, and they judge several times a year, and we look at this under every kind of growing condition, and th- these are really stringent uh, conditions, and there are, there's absolutely no spraying at the Biltmore, and that's what these growers are testing for. They are testing because they know, especially, uh, that folks are not going to do it. They're not going to put a rose in that, that um, is going to require spraying. So this just this past um, this past year, we judged in September after the roses had been through just everything you can imagine, you know, heat, all of the everything that the summer can throw at it, and um, um, and then we judged. And you know what's best about that June is that we don't if a rose doesn't meet the standards, there's not a, there's not a winner picked. So like. Um, last year we picked, you know, there were five different roses, like, um, and this year we had uh, several, and I list them on my website. Can you repeat some of the names yes. at one? One, the, the two, the two key, one was a Polar Express Iceberg. I know it's kind of a funny name. It's by Cords, and I will tell you that Cords, do you, you all know the name Cords. It's an old, old name. It's been around forever, like Cords Perfecta. Is it Cords or Cordes? Well, Cordes, I think. Some people say Cordes. Cordes is actually. Okay. I just said it wrong most of my life, so it's Cordes. Um, <laughs> you know how you do that, how you just say something wrong your whole life? It's Cordes. Tomato, yeah. tomato. <laughs> Cordes. Let's not call, let's not yes. call the whole thing so, off. So and you know what? Please do go to my website because I wrote about the whole, every single um uh, the Biltmore Rose Trials 2016, and I put pictures. Those are actually the pictures I took of the actual bush, and I was so excited because um, one of the others, a cordis, is honeymoon, and it again these roses to get through that 
and they don't have not a smidgen of black spot, not a smidgen of disease. So you see, no spraying, no bugs, and that's what that's what they're tested for. So you can get roses that um, are just absolutely phenomenal. And last year, um, you know, everyone, someone told me, Susan, that was 2014. I thought that was so funny. It was uh, a miracle on the Hudson, one of the most beautiful roses that I ever did see. And uh, the grower was who grows that? The grower with certified roses. Um, and and huh. uh, and you know what was so cool? Anybody, it was a it was a hybridizer that uh, nobody ever even heard of. Uh, Robert um, Robert Neil uh, Ripito. You know that's what's so beautiful. This guy, just some little grower, came up with this fabulous rose, and then a grower submitted it. And here, uh, Miracle on the Hudson, one of the most gorgeous roses ever won, and it's flawless. Just and then another rose, and it's a Cortez. Is Bajazzo the most gorgeous rose I ever saw in my life? You just got to see it. You got to see it to believe it, June. These roses are. I mean, you 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 just won't see them anywhere else. Uh, I I couldn't believe what the rose looks like. What attracted you to the rose? Was it the color? Was it the shape? What was it particularly? Well, I mean, they won because they're flawless. They bloom. They're covered in blooms. They have no disease. You don't have to spray them, and uh, they're perfect, you know, and they have uh, – another thing is they pick uh, – each year they will pick roses that um, are – they win because they have best fragrance. So usually every year they'll pick – oh, and one of those last year – hold on, I'll tell you which one. The best hybrid was Pauline Merrill by Ping Lim, and then the best for Abunda is Edith Wool. Uh, was um, I was trying to find you. We usually pick one for the best fragrance, and that was Lark Ascending by David Austin. And you know that David Austin roses wow. quite frequently is one of the best for fragrances. So yeah, and um, but it it would not have been chosen if it wasn't also highly disease resistant. So I just wanted to, and in keeping with. Trends is still the no spray, easy care. But I'm still seeing with that trend is tidy gardens. People don't seem to want huge sprawling gardens because they don't have time for all that work, you know. And mm. I, I just see that. And also something, June, is I'm seeing that people want these wellness, um, you know, wellness spots where um, that they are keeping only plants that, speak to your heart so if that plant is a rose and then maybe they want to plant some vegetables i saw some people that love lavender so they put in their companion plants that are lavender because they're pollinator attractants and then i saw the most intriguing thing ever where uh, people will plant lettuce so they put in edibles around their roses and then, That's very interesting. Yes, and it was beautiful, just beautiful. Um, you know, you might want to see if it works that you can plant marigolds to keep some rabbits away, though. I mean, I don't know. I have seen that the rabbits stay out of marigolds. 
Have you seen that to be true? I am bombarded with all sorts of questions. How do you keep wildlife from eating your herb garden, your rose garden, this and that? I actually feed the squirrels. <laughs> I, feed, I feed the squirrels. I feed the raccoons. And once again, I'm not saying this is for everybody. And it's also something that you have to be careful about because you you don't want the animals to think that humans are okay to approach because it puts them in danger. But truthfully, I do put food out for the squirrels, for the raccoons. I actually have an opossum that comes around, and a lot of people freak out when they see the opossum. But opossums eat fleas and ticks. They're like vacuums. They go out in the back, and they just suck them all up. And especially with the threat of Lyme disease, so on and so forth, it's really important that you do everything that you can to limit your exposure to fleas and ticks. And I do use organic diametaceous earth, but it only goes so far. I do try to keep the my, my back lawn as trim as possible. But, you know, once again, when you have a decent amount of land, it's it's not that easy to eliminate all the different predators that you don't want. And last year, my biggest problem was poison ivy. But that's a whole other show. Oh, remember, In any event, do you remember when I had poison ivy? It practically ruined my summer. Remember that? It was bad. I actually gave myself poison ivy a few weeks ago. I was doing some uh, winter prep, and I was lazy, and I took my socks off, and I went barefoot into an old pair of garden sneakers that I had, not thinking that, yeah, that, that was not a good idea, but I was just being lazy because I just really wanted to do one or two things and then just run upstairs and go to sleep because I was just so mm-hmm. tired. And the minute that my head hit the pillow, I began scratching my leg, and I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, I gave myself poison ivy. So I grabbed the Technu, raced to the bathroom, and I cleaned it with cold water, and I was fine a few hours later, but that was a close call. But it's just actually because of your situation with poison ivy, that's what made me think about mine. And, you know, folks, don't forget, poison ivy can affect you during the cold winter weather, during the the colder months when you're outside doing any type of tidying up or preparation, what have you. So do be careful. In any event, New York, we haven't really had much snow, and I'm still I'm taking pictures, and I'm still trying to think about different options for this coming year because I am building a rose garden this year, and for religious purposes, I'm building a rose garden that I'd like to venerate the Blessed Mother. So I'm very excited about all the different possibilities this year that I can incorporate into this new garden bed that I'm implementing. So... The ideas that you've just shared now are things that I will be considering. But for me, what I really want is fragrance. And that's the, the, that's all I'm thinking about this year is fragrance. And I, I don't want something that's going to be invasive and take over the entire yard either. So, you know, that's a very big consideration for me. June, I just want to stress, when you put in that garden, please, research does show that time spent in nature reduces stress and increase, increases the well-being. And some more of this research that I found shows that that any time spent in nature is like a medicine and that nature is awakening the five senses. So when I was putting in the garden in Texas, I had a plan to bring in ways to 
just tentilate the five senses. So I brought in wind chimes and a water fountain. And so in every way that I could, I wanted to stimulate the five senses. So think of that way. So you have your flowers for fragrance. You have your wind chimes of some sort of sound that you really enjoy hearing. And then um, I put in an Asian jasmine on top of it by the roses. You know, think of ev- nice. think of everything that you can of to just bring in to just stimulate all of your senses. Because um, another thing that I was reading, I, I'd never heard this term, but it was brought about in Japan that walking in the forest is called like a forest bath. I had never heard of such a thing, but it's all part of the the nature, the healing of nature. And that's what, you know, I always knew that it's like um, feeding the soul when you're out in the rose garden, but the more that you can uh, bring in the pollinators so you can hear, you know how we talk about, we want to bring bees and butterflies because they do bring sounds. You may they're just so subtle, but they are there. And it it calms us and brings a peace to us to know that there's a restoration of nature around us. So um, think of ways to bring those pollinators back into the garden because... That is, that is so incredibly true, Susan. Um, I'm just curious, are there any trends pertaining to color? Um, you know, I know that... I have just really, in any of the color that I've worked with people, I've really tended to um, work with people to build around colors that they found to be peaceful. But I know that some people have wanted to create a shade garden, but um, if you're doing that, it's not that conducive to roses, of course. But again, I just tend to build a color palette around the colors that people really enjoy the most. So I I haven't really tended to go any other pattern, but you can build around uh, completely just a color palette that you really, really do. But I would suggest that even now in the cool weather, you can, here's a couple of things that you can really do. You can get out there and um, if you live in climates that your ground isn't frozen, you can get a jump on spring and you can start clearing out some of the clutter in your garden and and don't hang on things that you don't want and you can go out into your garden shed and get rid of harmful things and kind of just slim you know slim down a lot of people want to just get rid of things you know and create boundaries and defined spaces and uh, kind of use a restricted palette you know of plants and hardscaping if that makes sense sure Susan, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Another question for you: Are there any trends that you've noticed as far as other elements, say, for example, different types of rocks or those types of elements which are a little bit more flexible as far as you know, interchanging them or just even swapping them out one year for one one type of look as opposed to another the next year? I mean, are you looking at any elements of that nature? Well, I've seen the, the flagstone, of course, but it's it's floated on like a crushed granite, and that's not that easy to interchange. But And 
I've always loved the way moss will grow in between that. But, you know, you can interchange other rocks, but um, there's so much that you can do with that. You can float different types of stone or introduce other. I've seen that sort of thing or garden paths. Um, I, I went to a class, which, by the way, I did want to mention that I had read that 65% of millennials now are willing to attend a class or workshop at a store just to enhance their growing skills. And did you know that a lot of people are really willing to get into gardening subscription services? I mean, people are really into this, June. They, they want to learn how to do homesteading and learn how to grow, you know, get plants and so uh, you just reminded me that I wanted to mention that, that I had read that. And E-I-E-I-O. Yeah. Listen to this show. Huh? <laughs> I said E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> just listen to this yeah. show. Susan, I'm just curious, with the roses, you mentioned a couple of growers. Are there any specific varieties that you'd like to mention that will ensure everlasting color from spring to almost winter? Are there any specific types of roses that you'd like to mention, specific names, so that people can incorporate them into their garden if they're looking for these types of flowers, especially the continuous bloom? Because I know that's very important to me. You know, June, I always mention Floribundas. It was the first type, you know, of rose that I put in when I moved from my huge garden in Texas. I, I said, what's the first type of rose? Am I going to put in because I want I want fast results? So listen up, everybody. If you want fast results, if you want a showy garden and you want a quick, rapid bloom cycle, put in a Floribunda rose garden. So, and what's the name of a few um, Floribundas? You know, I'm I'm kind of just looking at a list here because um, I put in. I mean, Julia Child. I'm sure I bet a lot of you've heard of Julius Child. In fact, it's, oh, it's, it's beautiful. one. I put it on my Gaga's Garden page today just so you can see what it looks like. And it just blooms yellow roses all the time. And uh, Easy Does It. Some people thought, oh, my gosh, can Susan put any more page, pictures of Easy Does It up? I mean, it just bloomed all the time. And it just kept blooms on it all the time. And these are, these are by Weeks Roses. And... I really do think any roses, I read somewhere that Cordes, Cordes was going to, um, I haven't seen them, but um, I read somewhere that you might be able to find them at some of the big box stores. So I hope you could find them a little easier, you know. Um, and this Take It Easy that I put it in, you know, like the Eagles song, that thing was the prettiest rose I've ever seen, but it got pretty big. And Sun Sprite, um, just look for um, for a Floribunda. Oh, and you know what? I, I meant to say this, and you know this, June, but um, and we don't get a, anything out of it, but join the American Rose Society or go to that website and look up, because they will look up some of the names of roses if you're not sure, but... Um, you know, look on the tag because just because it says a hybrid tea, hybrid teas are sometimes the since they're the biggest roses, they don't throw as many roses and they're a little slower to bloom. So you might want to go with the floribundas that are you know going to bloom faster. But 
I know everybody sees all the time at those big box stores. Their knockouts are so, you know, I still have a few knockouts, but they're shrubs, and they put on a lot of roses, and I still like them. But um, I know a lot of people want roses that look, you know, they want a little more shape to a rose and fragrance. So, but they serve their purpose too. If you want a nice border, and uh, if you want a smaller rose for a pot, then get a drift rose. Um, and I love, oh, oh my gosh, I can't believe I almost forgot to tell you this, because I did, I have a tape on the American Rose Society website of Pierre de Rosson. It is the most famous rose in the world. It's a, it's a um, World Rose Society, uh, American Society, you'd think I would remember the name, it's American Society of Rose Societies. Um, in their collection of the best roses in the world, Pierre de Rosson. I just want to make sure, R-O-N-S-E-R-D. And I rated that rose because it is the most beautiful climbing rose that you have ever seen. So, I've seen pictures of it. I haven't seen it up close, but it is from the pictures that I've seen. It's, it's Well, I have videos. I did videos on my website of some of the most gorgeous roses that you'd ever want to see in Pierre de Rosson. I like to say it, I guess, in Climbing Eden. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I just think that's, uh, and that's by Milan. And Milan is the uh, creator of the Peace Rose. It's one of the oldest families of roses in the world, like six generations of uh, rose growers in France. So they make beautiful roses, too. Susan, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show today. And also, you know, I couldn't agree more with your suggestion to join the American Rose Society. And, folks, on that note, also consider joining the Manhattan Rose Society if you happen to be in the Northeast. Uh, The Manhattan Rose Society was actually founded by Pat Shanley, who is the current president of the American Rose Society. And she is really fantastic she is such a wealth of knowledge the things that she's doing is tremendous and she truly has a love of roses so once again check out both societies you don't necessarily have to live in Manhattan to join the Manhattan Rose Society uh, but there's just so much information that comes from both organizations and once again great people involved with both of the societies and uh, the links for both societies will be available on the, in the article for this interview, which will appear on TheOrganicView.com, as well as links to all of Susan's work at Gaga's Garden. So on that note, Susan, thank you so much, and I look forward to having you come back soon. I know that we have a number of topics that we're going to be discussing this year, so thank you so much, Susan. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you, June, so much. It's always a joy to talk to you. So have a lovely day. Thank you, Susan. And, folks, please check out the companion article, which will appear on theorganicview.com, which will list all of Susan's information and some of the pictures from her travels. She's always at the Biltmore, so each year, if you have the opportunity, please go there. Susan is just such a delight to talk to, and you can listen to previous segments, which are also available in the on-demand section of theorganicview.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with the Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.